and welcome to the Trash Tapes podcast as part of the Enigmatic Productions Network. If you love bad cinema and incredible deep dives into cult film, then you have come to the right place. So if you like what you hear and want to support us, you can do so by donating some funds to our Buy Me A Coffee website, along with the ACAR supporter feature. All of these can be found in the description below. And now, on with the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, there's a lot to get through. I'm just trying to get all this across. I'm trying to also remember most parts of the movie as well. Boobs and guns, mate. Boobs and guns. That's all it is, isn't it? It's boobs and guns... Boobs, guns, explosives. Boobs, guns, nudity, more boobs. Guns, explosion. Leather. Leather, leather, explosion, explosion. Ending wet. (laughs) Okay. Okay. to another episode of The Trash Tapes, where one man's trash is another man's treasure. I am Johan Schapal, and the inflictor of pain, and I'm here with my victim, as per usual, Edward Harvey. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. So, we've got a little bit of a special one this week. Um, this time around, we have... I've gone through the depths of the 90s again, mm. and I really, really want to do this movie for quite some time, and it is a classic to me. Because it stars the the Pamela Anderson, awesome, yeah, and that is we're going to look at, we're going to delve into her acting career to a point, although it's not much, and uh, look at her first major leading role in a movie, Barbed Wire. Music. Don't call me babe.
It all went downhill from there, didn't it? Really? It pretty much did from barbed wire. So, Mind you, she's still a star now, but she's not a star for acting. She's just a star because she's Pamela Anderson. She's Pamela Anderson now. Yeah. It's it's weird how Pam has now become just sort of this icon, but it's just because she's just her. Yeah. No longer, you know, she did Baywatch and she also did Bob Wire. But yeah. that's about it. Because all the other stuff we don't remember her for. No. Although VIP was a show she was on. Remember VIP? Uh, vaguely. I don't think I watched much of it. Yeah, she was, uh, basically, it's just her, who's a bit of a valley girl, who starts up at, a, a, like, like a detective agency. Mm. Which I just, I just remember her from Baywatch. Everyone does. Everyone does. Mm. It's all just slow motion and just... <sighs> bouncing, bouncing boobs. Okay. <laughs> it's true, it's true. That's literally what this movie feels like, and that's what this movie is about, to a point. It's Pamela Anderson trying to be this try to break out to being a lead star yeah uh because she has been in movies before but they're always like you know bit parts or whatever and she's basically known for tv so it's her trying to leap forward and say i can do hollywood too i'm more than just a pair of boobs yeah she's trying the this whole like strong tough female protagonist isn't she? yeah yeah but She's also so full of boobs, though. I know. It's so hard to get beyond the idea that this movie is more than just tits and butt. It literally is... It's All of it is just about Pamela Anderson being naked yeah. half the time. I think, as, I think I mentioned it in the commentary, but it's like in the 90s, it was OK to have a, a strong female character as long as they're sexualized. Very sexualized. This whole movie is sexualized to the point that it's not that it's uncomfortable because, you know, some people think, oh, it's uncomfortable. This is almost to the point of laughable, mm. right? Because nothing feels uncomfortable about this world they created, this world in air quotes, like at all. It's perfectly fine to walk around topless in this movie mm. or to be wearing leather and just having and showing tits and arse all the time. There's no problem with it but because it's all over the place it just makes me laugh i mean if it, if it wasn't quite that that much it'd be offensive yes. <laughs> but let's let's actually talk about barbed wire let's go right into it so barbed wire is a 1996 american sci-fi action film based on dark horse comics Right? right, of the same name. So there is a comic series called Barbed Wire that came out just before. It's the movie stars Pamela Anderson as a titular role, titular role, um, <laughs> along with quite a few other people, including people like Udo Kier, yeah. who plays Curly in this movie. His name is Curly. He's with, like a sidekick character, isn't he? He is. He's basically the one who co-runs the bar, mm. right? And also a few other people as well, like John Noseworthy, who is Jack Noseworthy, who, who who's plays Charlie, so he's blind Charlie. Mm. And Jack Noseworthy is someone who I've recognised before, and he's in a lot of 90s stuff, but we don't remember where. Yeah, so have you, have you researched like, the stuff he's been in? Like, yes. Yeah, okay, so. so I'm having a look at him at the minute. He's been in quite a bit of stuff. Like, primarily he's famous... For, he's primarily famous for being in that Bon Jovi music video. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Always. He is that guy. He's the long with the long-haired guy and everything else. But then he's been in other things, such as... But they're all sort of, like, B-movie stuff. Hmm. So he was in a movie called Dead at 21. He's also been... He also was in the Brady Bunch movie. 
Oh, yeah. He was, yeah. yeah. He's also been... He was in Event Horizon. He's been in the Outer Limits TV series. Uh, he's been... He was in a he was in a scene of Terminator 3 uh, Rise of the Machines, but uh, that didn't really happen much. Um, <laughs> all right. He's also been in things like Pretty Ugly Things, Surrogates. Um, he's been in these kind of movies. So he's been in films. Yeah. But he's, he's always like bit part and B movies. So one of those guys that you, you recognise and it's familiar, you can't quite pinpoint what he's been in so yeah there's quite a few people in this movie right and you see rec- you see recognizable faces you see throughout the movie like the the police guy uh the police is he is he a chief or is he yeah yeah yeah, the chief, yeah the c- i recognize Colonel, him yeah. but i don't i can't quite figure out what he's been in yeah he's been in yeah I, I i know he's been in a few other things you know also clint howard's in it as well so you know he's playing schmidt Mm. You know, so he's in quite a few stuff as well. And he's been, it's, it's loads of characters you recognise from 90s stuff. Right. <laughs> so the movie itself uh, was critically panned from the get-go to the point it was nominated for several Golden Raspberry Awards. <laughs> awesome. Several. All in one shot. Do you think it gets to the point where you, you're kind of proud in a, in a way for, for getting those awards? Like. You, but here's, no, no, here's the thing. It was nominated. It didn't win. Oh. Which, firstly, for me, I think is even more offensive. Yeah. Because if you don't win a Golden Raspberry Award, do you know what it lost? It lost to a similar movie around this time. It lost to Striptease. Oh, yeah, okay. So, two busty female lead roles kind of thing, and and Pamela Anderson doesn't win. No. <laughs> That's quite bad, really, isn't it? It didn't terribly in the box office. At the point, the budget was £9 million. It only recovered about £3.5 And that's just people going for Pamela Anderson, kind of like... Yes. Yeah, just check out Pamela Anderson. But that will only last so long. You need to have a good movie as well, like... Yeah. It also was... It also clashed with quite a few big movies around the time. So I think it just kind of fell under the ether. Like, it was uh, launched at a bad time. Everything was a bad time. And, yeah. Although it did surprisingly well in Japan. Right. Okay. So it it it's it actually got quite a few got a quite a few millions millions yeah. in just Japan alone. I don't know why. What is that box office or like video? Box office. Yeah. So a lot more people went to see Pamela Anderson in Japan than it did in the United States. <laughs> the writer of the com- the writer of the comic had had a sort of a role in the. Um, had a role in it. But then, obviously, this is another example of the studio just butting heads a little bit and saying, we know what's best, which is what we're going to do with her. Yeah. Right? And one of the biggest things is they wanted more nudity. Right. Right? So it explains quite a few sequences in the movie, right? Like this sort of how things are just overly sexualized just for the sake of it. Mm. Right? Pamela Anderson actually blames the studios for its failure uh, because it's because tri- it's tried to pushed his R rating with the nudity. Yeah. She basically said she, uh, Pamela Anderson actually blamed the studios for making the movie Bond by forcing the inclusion of more nude scenes. It does feel forced, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's funny that it's like, it's forced when we were watching it and we are finding it funny that it's like a random flash here and there. Yeah. But in terms of making a good movie, it can't be forced, can it? It needs to be like, feel right. It needs to feel natural. <laughs> yeah. Natural. To be nude. Mm. But it doesn't here. She claims that because of the R rating, it means a lot of her teenage fans can go to see the movie. Which is true. Yeah. But you know the teenage fans would just be horny 14-year-old boys. Yeah. 
who would manage, like I did, manage to see it anyway. Oh, yeah, on video. But not, that's probably, they wouldn't have been able to go and see it at the cinema probably because we wouldn't get in. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's probably just, those that crowd just kind of got the video later, didn't they? They did. Yeah. Thing is, knowing this, it, uh, an R rating was never like a killer in the 90s. In fact, sometimes it pushed it, right? Yeah. But yeah. imagine barbed wire being a PG-13. It feels like it's, it feels like you're missing a trick there and also doing something weird because why did you hire Pamela Anson in the first place? Mm. Because Pamela Anson is all about sex appeal. And if you can't have sex appeals, I get why the studio did it, but it did feel very forced. Yeah. Right? Which also includes the reason that for the opening sequence. Steel Harbor 2017! The second American the Civil War. The is overthrown by a tyrannical new group called the Congressional Directorate. Right. Every city in the nation is under martial law, except one, Steel Harbor, the last free city. Last free city. A secluded island of shrinking independence, it is a place marked by chaos and crime, providing a home for a new kind of mercenary. Yeah! This is what you don't expect this from a Pamela Anderson movie. <laughs> no, she was really going for it. With she this. was, I do not want to be Tits McGee. I want to be proper hardcore. Yeah! <laughs> Thing is, in the 90s, you could have, like, female heroes, but as long as they were, like, sexualized. <laughs> oh, my God, she's nothing but tits and ass. Oh, look at it, she's wet as well! <laughs> this is a, a rock cover of Word Up. Yeah, it is. It's before uh, Corn did it, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> You know just what to do. Oh my god. Look at her. She just. This is literally us sneaking into like her Playboy shoot, isn't it? This is what this is. Look at it. Oh my god. Boobs. <laughs> this I, is just a music video, this title sequence. Uh, a sexy music video. It's just a sexy music video, just so we can see her tits. Look at her tits. <laughs> this is literally what this thing is telling you. Look, look, we got Pamela Anderson. Hey, we got boobies. Didn't uh, Pamela Anderson like later get like a like a boob reduction? Yeah, so she they were did. back to like kind of normal. Like, she did. She yeah. did when she got older because she actually was feeding top heavy. Yeah. You know, in the nineties, big boobs were amazing. Now, when you got a little older, you think, "Oh shit, I had to sleep. <laughs> My back hurts." What? Now she's on a swing. I <laughs> just, I love it. Oh. Uh, the opening scene itself, the movie pretty much starts, first of all, with a, with, with a crawl saying about this backstory, which we'll get to in a minute. But right afterwards, the title credits, the opening credits, bam, it's literally a wet striptease. <laughs> yeah. Like a music, like an MTV-style music video that's, like, explicit, you know. Very explicit. Yeah. And that is the probably the most sexualized Barb is in the movie, right? Because mm. she's literally doing a striptease in a sort of a leather dress outfit with a boobs popping out. You see nipple, like, instantly. Yeah, lots of boob being, boobage. Being, being covered in water and champagne, splashing around, being, like, seductive. And it's weird, mm. right? But there's a reason for it, why that scene actually exists. So... Uh, the opening wet strip in which Barb dances in a strip club with her breasts hanging out in a rubber dress while being sprayed with water and champagne. Yeah. Yeah. Was actually suggested by her in the first place. Okay. All right. This is, I'm not joking. After she, she was inspired by a nightmare she had. 
in which she was sprayed with champagne while performing a nasty dance, right? right. David Hogan, who was the director of this movie, uh, who was under pressure to include more nudity, liked the idea... And then threw it and threw and then threw out the movie's original they had, which was actually far more of pl- far more plot driven mm. than it was this bit. Right. So, but that is both amazing because Pamela Anderson, it was Pamela Anderson's idea for it, but also very exploitative because this is a girl's nightmare we're having here. <laughs> this is a nightmare about someone being like, you know, forced to dance for me, dance for me, and then it's like, like perfect, let's put it in the movie, yeah. sexy. Yeah. Do you know what the comic book looked like in terms of the, the, the style of it? The it looked very much like a nineties comic. Yeah. So you know, we talk about uh, Rob Liefeld kind of, you know, big weird proportions, big busts, mm. tiny feet, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. Right. But she started off looking more like Sonya Blade. From right. Mortal Kombat, yeah, with the more with with the battle fatigues and so on, because she, because remember this, Barb Wire, she was formerly in a war, right? Mm. So she's a war girl, she's a mercenary. Yeah, she only later on became looking more like the Pamela Anderson character, mm. and then they hired Pamela Anderson to be in the movie, and then this happened, and then this is a sad thing: the original comic ended its run after the film's failure. Well, it would do. So the movie, so the movie killed an entire comic franchise. Yeah. In fact, it killed a lot of possibilities. They really were running with trying to make this a huge success, right? Barbed Wire actually was in line to have a video game as well. Awesome, right? It was going to come out for the PlayStation, Sega Saturn, and PC, and Macintosh yeah. in 1997, right? Mm. It was developed by Cryo Interactive, and the gameplay was going to be similar to Tomb Raider and Resident Evil, with a single-player campaign and a two-player deathmatch mode. But it was never released. Well, it wouldn't make money, would it? No, because the movie bombed and tanked that badly. They said, we're going to save our losses, even though we spent so much money trying to make this movie, this movie game, right? Just going to cancel it. I am just more interested in what a barbed wire (laughs) video game would be like. Mm-hmm. And whether the boob, whether it would be like boob physics, you yeah, know, like, like Dead or Alive, where the best animation is just in the boobs, like bouncing. everything else is like a bit shit, but the boobs animation is perfect, just proper bouncing. Or would this be around the time when we have triangular boobs? So it would have been the whole, it would just be like Lara Croft with the triangular boobs from the first two. Yeah, Raider. probably actually. But yeah, it's just, just interesting how they put so much into this, thinking he's going to be a huge success. Nowhere near. It's kind of sad, really. It is kind of sad. It is kind of sad it didn't do that well. Uh, because overall, I mean, the movie's a great watch, but it it, it, it derailed quite a few people. Which is a shame, really. But how, where else would you possibly go with this movie? This is the thing that's baffling. Mm. This movie screams almost a joke. Like, it's ridiculous. How would you make a Pamela Anderson movie about being in the post-apocalyptic universe during the Second American Civil War while she's also a stripper and also the the runner of a bar that's also a radio station that's also a ground for a seedy underbelly? How... Do you, could you make that anything else other than silly? I don't know. And I know it sounds harsh, but in, to, in order to make Bob Wyatt a better movie, you, I don't think you, you can't cast Pamela Anderson. Anderson. You know, Pamela Anderson's a thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, 
it makes a funny bad movie now yeah. now to reflect back on. Mm. But in terms of it at the time, if you wanted to make a successful movie, you needed someone else to play barbed wire. Because it's like, you know, the the flashbacks where she's a soldier. Yes. How out of place does she look like as a soldier? She looks so pretty. Yeah. In this, in this, in this soldier she's flashback sequence. She's still in sequence. full makeup as a soldier. She is. <laughs> she is looking fabulous while doing it. Yeah. Like, it's it's really, really bizarre because the whole point of a character, she's a mercenary, so there's a lot more war flashbacks, which would have helped fill out her character a bit more, admittedly, mm. but she seems so out of place. Yeah. So out of place in the sequence where she's like, we gotta wait for the guy! We gotta wait for him! We gotta wait for Axel! And it's like, no, he ain't coming back! No! Come back! Helicopters flying, explosions! I mean, it kind of... It sort of looks like... Like a porno soldier girl. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, like sort of really sort of out of place, but like a, a glammed up girl they've just put a, an army uniform on. You know? It basically is like softcore porn. Yeah. It's basically a softcore porno version of itself. Mm. And that is so weird to say that. I'll be there, I'll be there, I'll be there. I promise. Oh no. So now. Are you Yes! Oh my god, Pamela's showing emotion! She's showing emotion! You're so rare! You guys gotta get out of here! Go, go, go! That's it! Come on, let's go! Come on, get in! Oh no. Second, second American Civil War happened, and she was in it, and everything's gone to shit. She's like going. Can I just say, though, can I just say, at least it's a different expression of what she had before. You cheated me out of one million bucks, Smith. I should blow your head off. To break down the plot, right, I'm going to have the DVD. I'll read the back. Okay. Call her dangerous. Call her deadly. Call her a mercenary. Just don't call her babe, which we'll get to in a minute. Pamela Anderson is barbed wire, the sexiest, toughest woman in Steel Harbor, a city marked by chaos and crime, providing a home for a new kind of mercenary. Okay? If you've got a problem, barbed wire is the solution. (laughs) (laughs) She'll use any dangerous weapon, including her body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To make what to make what she wants, crossing the line for no for no man until one day Axel Hood hits town. Right? So that's a that's a mercenary buddy. Yeah. Okay. He's on a mission, and Bob is the only one who can get him out of town alive. Will Bob help the man he that who once betrayed her? That there's only one thing that can be sure: she can get anything she wants for a price. Are you ready to pay? <laughs> What a bunch of baloney. <laughs> it kind of it's that, that synopsis seems like it's written by the Sun newspaper. Yes! It's all sleaze. Yeah. All sleaze. And I kind of love it. But this is the interesting thing, and it's kind of the reason why I haven't got into the plot entirely yet. It's because and it strikes a humongously similar output to the 1942 movie Casablanca. Yeah, which is a polar opposite, really, in terms of, you know, the style of it. Yeah. 
Completely. It's basically the movie Casablanca. Mm. Now, if you've ever seen Casablanca, you've seen barbed wire, mm. right? But if you haven't seen Casablanca and you go into it, we're going to go through the plot bit by bit, and you're going to notice maybe the ones who've seen Casablanca will notice weird little changes. Like the fact it's based in the, in the mystical year of 2017. Mm. Yeah, because the movie opens with a traditional like post, post-apocalyptic kind of movie where you get like... Uh, a, a voiceover and like the the, the text scrolling. Yes, I like, love all that. those movies. Like a lot, a lot of the like, schlocky ones and stuff started like that, didn't they? Yeah, they always did. Mm. And I loved. It just adds more fun because basically they do that because they need to explain the world. Yeah, they don't have the time. So all we exposition know- dump intro. So you've got this post-apocalyptic universe. Right, with uh, cyberpunks, film noir detectives, uh, Mad Max goons, and all the stuff just slammed together. Slammed, slammed together. Slammed together. Shardos. Shardos. I can never get rid of Shardos. He's creeping in, doesn't he? I, I just slammed. <laughs> <laughs> right, so it's all combined together. The, everyone's trying to find a safe haven, and it's a safe haven is Canada, according to this universe. So everyone wants to escape to Canada. Yeah, because they're always, like, wanting Canadian dollars, aren't they? All because that's the, where the real money exists. Yeah. Come on, honey! Get it all off! Oh, for God's Come sake. On, make me stand up for Queen and Country! <laughs> for Queen and Country, huh? Nice. I think, I think it's when I think when this. On, oh! One more person calls me. Oh, it's oh, it's in his face. It was actually embedded in his face. That's hard. That hurts. But then this is where we get introduced to. What's her, what her role is in general because she uh, she's a mercenary, yeah, you know, a hitman for hire, you know, that kind of thing. And she's doing so, she's playing a stripper and she uses it to get her targets, basically, yeah. right? Which explains the whole I'm dancing in a leather rubber suit. And then we're first introduced to basically one of the best lines in the movie, as we all know, is when you do not call her babe. <laughs> Because you get a stiletto in your face. Yeah, that was awesome. Because this the, the guy is saying, oh, come on, babe, show me some more of yourself, babe. Stiletto, she takes the shoe and puts a stiletto right in his forehead. And that is awesome. And what's funny is the crowd kind of go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, she, they love her. Like, they're bloodthirsty as well as be horny bastards. Yeah. And so Stella's thrown and dragged away, and then we're taken to the back where she's with the other stripper girls. And you, this is her, this is now Pam as her most Pam, right? This is where we properly see Pam and her acting range. And we thought like, oh, she's doing fine. She's doing a couple of quippy one-liners here. But this is where we start creeping in a few little things that we've noticed. It's like uh, a lot. Again, some of the criticism of the movie is that even though the movie has energy, Pamela doesn't. No. Pam Ranson has absolutely no energy. It's, she's monotone throughout the entire movie. That's what, we were, when we were watching it, that's kind of how, what we were commenting on, wasn't it? Like yeah. The, the delivery of her lines, it's just not quite there. It's, it's, it's like, even when it's like, she needs like something with more urgency. Yeah. It's like saying, shit, you know? Like, I love that. Like, I mean, it does create, like, a, a kind of comedy. It creates a new kind of comedy out yeah. of it. Because the thing is, she's consistent for most of the movie as being flat 
like totally flat. And her voice is always like soft like that. I mean, the, the sound guy had no danger of her peaking at any point because she's always like, yeah. I'm, also, I'm Pam Randerson. So I'm sexy. Soft. I'm so sexy, but also sound a little bit annoyed. Yeah. Oh God, where's I say where's where the lenses? Oh goodness gracious! Oh man, I love it. Fucking love it. It's ace. And that's kind of why I find someone like Steven Seagal funny. Yes, because like, he's like that. All the lines are on one level, aren't they? Like I am a badass. I'm Steven Seagal. This is how I deliver all my lines. Prepare to die. I'm gonna take you to the bank. The blood bank. bank. Yes, yes. Any any one-liners are literally like without any like nuance or without any drama. Oh. What are you doing here? Looking for a light. Got one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah! She looks like impaling stuff in foreheads. Yeah, she, it's kind of a thing. You know what? Good on her. How are you? I'm the one's getting you out of here. Trust me. Wait, this way. Shit, come on. A bit more enthusiasm, love. Oh, shit. Go. What is the problem with with uh, Pamela Anderson? Like she's just on one note, isn't she, all the time? She sounds like a bit. It, she sounds just like a little bit fed up. But she's supposed to be like this is. I know. I know what they should try and do. She's supposed to be like cool and hot and something like that. But you know. Yeah, but that's all right for like some of the time. But not but all the time. You've got to like show emotion, I know, <laughs> like right? to a degree. Like at least if at least if you're gonna. What are you doing? Ever see Batman? <laughs> you know, if you're, you're going to like deliver like one-liners and stuff, yeah, you need to have a bit of like pizzazz, not just all be like monotone and stuff. It's true, but at the same time, though, it, it, when you're Pamela Anderson and you say lines like "Ever see Batman" and you go a fucking grappling hook. Ever see Batman? Ever see Batman? It's like all soft and sensual, like that. Ever, ever see Batman? I love it. But but the thing is, even when she's like trying to tell someone to shut up, she's like, "Shut up, oh my God!" <laughs> I kind of love it. This is based on a comic, isn't it? Yeah, by uh, Dark Horse. Yeah, I'd imagine like the comic imagine being very enjoy. like witty and funny and stuff, and like yeah. it, it would imagine they would want someone to be able to like have that kind of pizzazz with the dialogue and stuff we don't know I haven't seen the comic the comic could literally be just as sleazy as this mm. it's the 90s you know I'm afraid there's been a slight yeah. problem oh I could only come up with half the money half the money fine Half the money. Didn't, it wasn't her trying to be snarky with a British accent. That's what I mean. She never like goes fully into it. Half she only the money. did a slight <laughs> impression. But to be honest, that makes me laugh. I, I'm kind of loving that she's all one note. Mr. Cash, not a bad night's work. <laughs> yeah. It was the middle of the Second American Civil War. Oh. The world had gone to hell. The year was 2017, the worst year of my life. Oh, really? Well, in 2017, honey, Donald Trump's president, so this might be the reason why the apocalypse happened. Definitely. <laughs> so Pam, now, now, now Pam's found her target, right? She's trying to find this woman 
like her, like who's, who's in a schoolgirl outfit. So clearly she's supposed to be like this teenage girl, right? Mm. Who's been kidnapped by this sleazy club owner. Literally, this is where the action sequence kicks in because she's in the kitchen somewhere. And uh, the sleazy guy goes and says like, where are you? I thought you were supposed to meet in my boudoir. And it's like, I'm just needing a light. And just pulls out a cigarette and shoots a tranquilizer dart in his face. Yeah. Which is awesome. Hit in like in the forehead again, like the... Uh, like uh, the like uh, guy. She has a thing for foreheads. Mm. Like, she has a thing for foreheads. And um, finds that the... Um, finds the uh, the girl who's hiding in a fridge somewhere. And then this is the chase sequence happens. She's being chased by all the goons in the strip joint. And she does a couple of kicks here. She does a couple of hidey-hoos and stuff like that. Oh, then leads to one of my favourite bits with the grappling hook. Because she gets a grappling hook, doesn't she? And it's, it's like, where do you get that from? And then she goes and says, like, ever seen Batman? <laughs> no, it's like, some of the times you're thinking that line could be hilarious, but it's just not. It's, it's not which the way she said it. But in fact, for me, the way she said like that made me laugh yeah so she gets a grappling hook out of fucking nowhere because a big grappling hook and she launches it slides down and she and she gets chased around that kind of thing puts you know puts him in the back of a car motorcycle drives off drops up to the parents right and then but again they're doing this exchange in the rain she's soaking wet in the rain in this leather rubber dress she always seems like she's been rained on at any point because her hair is like that. She's still got she's got that like sort of beach kind of greasy kind of dirty hair look all the way through the movie. Yeah, she, she does. Yeah, and it's the hair is actually inconsistent. There's a horrible inconsistency where her hair is constantly like. Big, small, wet, all over the shot. But no one cares because you're not really paying attention to her hair, are you? Um, it's hard to, to not take to your not eyes off the boobs. When she's constantly flashing them. Yeah. So she, so, she, so she gets the car, half the money, and drives off, right? Mm. And then we see her, like, in what seems to be a glamour shot, like, over the desert, you know, looking out and saying, it's 2017 and it's the worst year of my life. Dear Diary. <laughs> Dear Diary. 2017 is already starting off in the worst possible way. Oh. So she runs something called the Hammerhead, which is a nightclub at Steel Harbor, um, which is also multiple things. It's also a radio studio. <laughs> Which I'm not sure if it's the DJ, but it's not the DJ. I think it's just like, I don't know whether he's doing a radio show. I think he's mm. just kind of, he's, he's like a, a radio DJ, but he's just the club DJ. That's so weird. Why would you yeah. have a radio station in your club to be the DJ in your club? Because he'll be saying like loads of like, you know, the power of the resistance is here, man. And like saying, like, oh, no, the coppers are coming round. It's like, yeah, I don't want that in the club. Yeah. I don't want that while I'm dancing or drinking. It's almost like, and now and again, you're like, we'll be right back right after these like special broadcasts. <laughs> like, like he's like he's going to do an advert break or something. It's like, who wants that in their, in their club, right? This club also seems to be where the seedy underbelly of, um, of um, Steel Harbour stay around because there's loads of just randomly bizarre quirky underground dealings and characters people doing cocaine people buying shit like loads of shit like that yeah but they're not allowed to take their guns in they're not allowed to take their guns in 
There's a cloakroom for guns, which I find quite funny. Yeah. I mean, just imagine you have to imagine if you lost your ticket. Yeah. Right? If you get, imagine you lost your ticket and it's like, I'm here to pick up my shotgun. Uh, which one? It's like, oh, what's your number, mate? Oh, I don't have that. Unfortunately, I can't give I can't give you back your shotgun unless you've got a ticket number. It's like 39! 39! Dry martinis and a Cuban cigar. You got it. God damn. So many boobs. So many boobs. Oh my god. Thing is, when I, when I saw this, I must have been only like, uh, like twelve or something stupid, so quite young. To be honest, if you saw this at twelve, this is this is ideal at the birth of yeah. puberty, because all you see is boobs constantly, and I kind of love I, it. I, I did want to watch it just because of Pamela Anderson. Of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> of course you did. Uno Kia, hello. The legs of She must be joking. To Barbie from Colleen, the test came back, and everything is cool. 30 bucks for the cognac. Add it to my tab, Miss Kapetsky. Boom, boom, boom. Uh-huh. Miss Kapetsky died in the war. I'm Barbie. The thing is, I know, like, some people like sort of fake tits, but I, I think they just look too circular. <laughs> They, they do look like you just got two pair of, like, gigantic, like, you know, like, got baseballs just attached to your breasts. Yeah, they're just, like, very, very, like, perfectly circular and massive. It just doesn't look natural. It's like... Just give me my drink. Oh. Sir, we're not open yet. Oh, dear. I think you've had enough already. Ah, uh, blow me. Oh. Camille, package check. Camille! Oh, no. Oh, no, not in the go-dance! That's Camille. She works here. Oh. Sit. Oh, you can see her. Now, you don't want to see her roll over, do you? No, no, no. Good. Camille, outside. See, I, that is, that is kind of awesome. I'm, come, come on, like, that's actually kind of good. Camille, grab, get, just... Dragging someone by the bollocks. That was making me wince, though. That <laughs> did. Did you see how the dog's tongue was just there, just licking? Ugh. That was off, so off. But then this is where starts. We get introduced to other characters. We're introduced to Udo Kier, who's curly, who is, I think, personally, like subtly, my favourite actor in the movie because he is actually full hog playing it fun, like serious fun. Like yeah. He's enjoying himself. At one point, he's uh, he's he's wearing a wig, really having a good time, like mm. enjoying himself, almost being like almost uncomfortably close to Pamela Anderson at one point. It's like, I need you in the kitchen. And Pamela Anderson's just like, it's so, almost like they're about to kiss. It's that close. Like, that weird sexual undercurrent tension between these two, which I fucking love, right? <laughs> uh, we also got the other patrons in the bar. We've got Charlie, who, looking back at it, is actually Pamela Anderson's brother, in okay. this, so it's Pamela Anderson's character's brother in the movie, who's blind, mm. 
right? So he's blind, but he's also a mechanic and a whiz kid, right? But he's also a member of the resistance and da 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 and everything else. And all he does is just wants to drink. He just wants to drink whiskey. Yeah, just wants to drink whiskey. It's to the point where even when like when they're having the. Uh the raid of yes. the club. He's still just hiding under the bar having a drink. It's actually a really quirky little thing. Like, he's a, he's a constant alcoholic and he knows it. Mm. Like, he's not going to stop. And we also have the dog. What's the name of the dog again? Ah, oh, something like, uh, oof. Cecile or Cecilia or something. It's, it's the beginning of C, I'm sure it does. Oh, I can't remember. Uh, can't remember for the life of me. But there is this, but, it's, but she has a dog. Right. Rottweiler. Yeah, yeah, a Rottweiler dog who is basically the bodyguard of the place. Yeah. Which is fucking awesome. Like, there's human bodyguards, but she's the main bodyguard. Like, she will come, right, and bite you in the balls and drag you out of the club. So great. It's a great sequence where a guy comes in once the bar is closed and says, we're not open yet. So I, I, give me my goddamn drink. And then just... The Rottweiler just grabs him by the nuts and slowly just drags him out of the way, saying, like, she will bite. And you can hear the crunches, like... Oh, and the licking crunches, like, oh, no, this is going to go bad, isn't it? But in the meantime, she decides to go for one more raid. She goes for one more little job to do in order to help pay the bills. Yeah. Right? And this one's a bit more interesting because she is now playing a prostitute. I think uh, she's playing a prostitute on the street. And in the future, I love this, in the future, prostitutes have union cards. <laughs> Got a full medical. I love it. I love it. In, in, so, in 2000, so in 2017, in this universe, prostitutes have a union. Mm. And you know what? Well done, progressive, I guess. You know, and so she's flashing around. She's waiting for this guy who's this absolute sleazeball, right? I had to do a little moonlighting to keep my bar running. Mm-hmm. Not an easy life. A girl's gotta do what a girl's gotta do. And in this world, you gotta use everything you got. Hey, handsome. Want some company? You a cop? <clears throat> See a badge? <laughs> my God. <laughs> no woman ever would approach anyone like this Are properly. Oh, medical. Checked yesterday. Oh. Oh, this place is a mess. Place is a mess. And all the porno bags. Like, she was looking for something like this. I have an idea. Why don't you go change into something a little more comfortable? How about something a little less comfortable? Oh, wow. I can hardly wait. This is where he comes out in a proper gimp suit. <laughs> She's in half of one, clearly, with a corset. I don't know what that was, but that was cool. That was kind of cool. <laughs> yes! I was joking about the gimp suit. I was big. I'm so glad to hear that. He's such a bad boy. He's been so paddle. He's got he's been a bad boy. A weary bad boy. Now close your eyes and turn around. Oh my god, he's just gonna cream himself right here and then. Kaplunk! Oops. 
Cam must be playing with this somewhat. Yeah, like she must know that she's not that this is not a serious movie. Like I hope so. Um, no, I don't think she did. But the thing is, she did. I don't think she has went, range. She went. She should have, knowing that, should have gone even pushed it even further. Like I don't think it's. I think. It, I, but I don't know whether she's got the ability. She's not a great actress. Uh, are we saying she's just not that self-aware, maybe? Yeah. Oh, because if she was that self-aware, then she could have totally played on the sex appeal more, or would have played more on whatever this is, or the, or the hammy humour. But I think, she, oh, I don't know. Whoa! Oh, nice. Oh! <laughs> oh, the flashes. It's so weird seeing, like, future tech, but with 1940s gangsters in a post-apocalypse. I guess that's what the comic's like. I guess that's the kind of style they go for. Style, isn't it? Whoa! Oh, right in the fridge! Because that is quite a common thing, like, you know, the whole future noir thing. Yeah, like Dark City, basically, yeah. isn't it? Blade Runner's a bit like that as well. Yeah. Whoa! Oh, Yes! Um, that table is made of wood. How have you not been shot yet? That's just movie, movie logic. That it? is such a badass pose, even though it's so inappropriate to shoot anything in it. Oh. <laughs> I love it. Come on. Yes. <laughs> She's pinned. Oh, crotch punch. Way to go, Pam. You're not going soft on me, are you? Okay. <laughs> He's not going soft. Good. You're my last bail jumper, Cruz. Wake up, sunshine. Please don't kill me. That was nice kicking. You really know your stuff, babe. No. What did you call me? Uh-oh. Don't call me babe. Yeah. Whoa! Bloody hell, that's a lot of bullets. Oh. Don't call her babe. Fuck it reminds hell. me of, like, you know, like, the whole, like... In Back to the Future, don't oh, call. Would you call me chicken? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that, isn't it? It's exactly like that. Because she gets like they could say anything else to it, any other, anything else, any words. I mean, I mean, look, Mel Gibson could walk into this movie and call her sugar tits, and wouldn't be offended, right? But call her babe. Fuck you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Finds him and then, you know, she goes through a really kind of decent gunfight. But it looks really awkward because you look, you can see that Pamela Anson feels awkward in the poses that she's in trying to shoot like, in there a bit where she's literally, like, leg out, knee down, bent over slightly, and, like, with arms like this, crossed like that, trying to shoot through a wall. Yeah. There's one, there's one bit where it looks amazing, though, the pose, where she's behind a table, isn't she? Yes. And she p- kind of pops out with both guns. That looks awesome. And that, that looked like a proper, like a publicity kind of shot, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's badass. I mean, she's mm. really, she, she was all in on it. And it's also bizarre because she seems to be magic for hiding from magical furniture because she's hiding from a wooden cha- a wooden table, but it gets covered in riddled in bullets and she is no not a single scratch on her. That's like a, a movie stupid logic thing, though, isn't it? That I love it in lots of action movies. Like you just let's just get this like polystyrene sheet like sheet to like hide behind. I kind of love it, right? Meanwhile, we're in Washington D.C. And you can tell it's Washington, D.C. because I believe it is the uh, Abraham Lincoln Memorial. Yeah. It's completely destroyed. Well, like, the main sort of tower is kind of, like, broken, isn't it? Completely and utterly destroyed, Mm. right? Amazingly destroyed, right? And in here, we're now put into this random-ass laboratory with Nazis, basically, and um, with a woman who is... In a bikini, but looks like a bikini out of Tetsuo the Iron Man. Oh, that is a weird, uncomfortable scene. It's kind of like it almost looks like it's a a torture porn device. It's like a tw- it's like because it's on the metal plate thing is on her like groin, yes, and on her boobs, yes, and she's got something on her face as well like that. And it's it almost, really and she's weird. making sex noises, so it's almost like it's pleasure but it might kill her at the same time and apparently this is supposed to be a mind a mind reader (laughs) why is it like so so sexualized i know why is it a bikini for one and there's a reason for this i believe an original draft of script revealed the woman in torture room had the last name hannigan and she was actually suspended by restraints in midair with electrodes all over her body including her forehead arms shoulders abdomen and legs the sequence was changed to have electrodes inside a bikini device that a woman wears through the through the mind reading device used to show memories of the woman's mind from the original drafts remaining in the film Basically, to add more sex appeal. It's so weird. Why would we want a torture sequence to be sexy? Is beyond me. No, that's why it seems like a sex torture device. It does because she's being electrocuted, going. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I'm sorry, but it was awful. Then it leads on to now we're finding again the main plot of the movie, which is now very much Casablanca. Because then we've got Axel Hood, right? Mm. Who is the resistance fighter, who is bringing a woman in, who is supposed to be this doctor, who also seems to have this technology that can help the resistance fight back, right? Mm. 
uh, she's got like this way, just evidence and this all this stuff to actually help her fight back. And when she, if she is escapes to Canada to the free land, can go and stop, can actually stop fully the uh, American Civil War, right? Uh, which is very much like the role in Casablanca, you know, very much. But, you know, here's a guy who can help the resistance, blah, 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 and everything else. Mm. Uh, Humphrey Bogart needs to save him, blah, blah, blah. You're starting to see a pattern here. It's a bit weird. It's a gender swap Casablanca with leather. <laughs> Fuck. They now inform that, you know, Axel, Axel Hood and the, and the female doctor is now making their way to Steel Harbor to find refuge until they can get to Canada. So... This is now, the Nazis now are aware of it and says, right, let's go, right? So the evil American Nazis, on the nose, isn't it? Um, are now heading over to Steel Harbor to try and stop things, okay? Yeah. And then the movie pretty much semi-plays from this point onwards, like Casablanca, almost to its detriment. Listen carefully. If Cordy escapes... I will personally rip your heart out of your ass and stuff it back down your throat. That's an image. How does that work? Have you got to go really up there <laughs> in order to pull someone's heart out of someone's ass? Baby, you tell me it's late, but I'm here to tell you it only feels that way. So sit back and enjoy someone. I love it. Something. In 2017, <laughs> people are still using CDs, according <laughs> to this place. <laughs> We moved on, we've gone back to vinyl, and we're on MP3s now. Well, most of, most of like streamed now is now so. Spotify. Mm. So in this, so I love I love how movies like this they do they always do like a very near future. It's so wrong, so wrong. I love it. Well, there's a lot of like current tech in future stuff, isn't there? Like, because like CDs would have been quite sort of like in then. CDs were the thing, so you feel like, oh, this is the future. Because it's like in in like Alien, Mm. like they're all still like listen to music on cassette and stuff. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's still for for a future. It's gone analog still. And all the computers are like black screen with green text and stuff. Exactly. Oh, hello! Like, we don't need to see underneath the bubble bath, but we just had to tease it so we know that we saw some Buddha! I kind of want this bubble bath right now. Look at it, look at that, look at that. Look at the amount of bubbles she's having. You know, like, in movies, yeah. they always have so much bubbles, I could never get that amount of bubbles. I could never get that amount of bubbles in my bathtub. <laughs> Ever. I mean, what bubbles do they use? I'm unarmed. How'd you get in here? Where's my dog? Hey, I'm irresistible to females. Thanks, Camille. Wow, Camille. Way! Towel. Oh my god, she's just wearing nothing but bubbles. What are you gonna shoot? Me? She had like a bubble bra. She had a total bubble bra. I told you never to come back. I came here to do a job. The biggest operation I ever signed up for. And I came ready for anything the congressionals could lob at me. The only thing I wasn't prepared for was running into you. 
You'll get over it. I did. Oh, that's spiteful. Where are the contact lenses? If I knew, you think I'd tell you? Look, we know that Schmitz was here last night. Now, if you know where the lenses are, for Christ's sake, will you just name a price? That's what you do, isn't it? Sell yourself to the highest bidder? I'm out of your price range. Oh! The levels of sass are growing. I'm kind of loving it. Oh, no. The invasion of the hammerhead begins. Bob, oh, put on a dress, love. Put on a dress. Is there another way out of here? Are you kidding? The leather is covered. She's not going to battle in a towel, is she? Oh, I hope she does. Give me three minutes and meet me downstairs. Why should we trust you? Maybe you shouldn't. Boom! <laughs> I'm so sorry! Oh, that was the just came out of nowhere! She just showed up! <laughs> that was just a flash, just for the sake of it. Here's a boob. Here's a boob and a butt. I love it. You morons. Now, the Doctor is, has got all this information, it's, it's, it's got all this sort of info about how it would save the Resistance, but the only thing they need is to have these, these particular set of lenses. Yeah. There's a particular set of lenses that allows you to hide your identity, because in this future, you are scanned retinally. Right? Mm. They've got this massive clunky device, haven't they, to put on people's faces. They're hilarious. They're like full masks. Yeah. And just to scan your eyes, right? Mm. And by using the retina scan means can hide, can go through security because she says, and I quote, I've had plastic surgery already. So the only thing missing are these lenses, right? Yeah. Which apparently it's based in Steel Harbor somewhere. So they're asking for Pam to get her onto a plane with the lenses mm. to take them over to Canada to safe refuge and then exploit and give out all the information about this bioweapon and everything else, which is, you know, just... It's non... It's no one cares. No. Like, no one cares. And that's the thing. Like, the rest of the plot is very nonchalant by this point. Everything else is just sort of them trying to find the resistance and everything else. We just remember key scenes. Yeah. I mean, I'm... The thing is, this movie, you often distracted by the sexual stuff and yeah. the uh, the just the, the action and things like that and you're not really concentrating on what's going on yeah right? a lot of the time very true yeah. like you don't know what's going on half the time for the movie but you don't care because you can kind of suss it out yeah like uh, there's a scene after which i kind of liked where where we get the vietnam flashback it's i love it because she's passed out on the sofa drunk it's like uh it's like you've been you're drinking your sorrows away. But I love how she's when she's drinking. This is really cool shot actually, uh, where the glass is full of ice and she pulls in a wild turkey. And as the ice crackles, it turns into the sounds of explosions, and then cuts to a war sequence with her yeah. in fatigues. It's good. It's a good transition. Yeah, it's good. I think the movie has a lot of cool transitions because you have this director who happens to be uh, a former uh, mu you know music video director. Yeah. Um, so this is when we get introduced to Jamans. Well, I say the Jamans, they're not really the Jamans, they are the American Nazis mm. who come in and start scanning everybody and everything else and start putting their position in check. And they actually reenact to a point the very famous 
scene from Casablanca. We have the police chief, the general of the of the Nazis, and Humphrey Bogart. Mm. But with Pamela Anderson, an American neo-Nazi, and an American copper who's literally a sleazebag. He seems like he's a sleazy guy, but then he also he helps them, and he's then he's kind of one of the good guys. And it's a bit of a mixed character. You can't tell what's going to happen. But there's the thing: it's exactly the same kind of character as in the one in Casablanca. Yeah, yeah. Who is basically he's do he's he has to do his job. Mm. But he really likes Humphrey Bogart, mm. so he's just go- he, so he sometimes he will flip flop, knowing his own moral compass. Yeah, right. Same with this, but it's weird that it's in a post-apocalyptic universe with Pamela Anderson in a leather outfit. What's the book? He's expecting me. Whoa! Now the apocalypse has really kicked in. It's like going on Mad Max out here. That's the thing, we're surrounded by Nazis and 1940s gangsters, and now it's Mad Max. A lot going on. There's a lot to absorb here. Who is this motherfucker? Big Fatso. Big Fatso! Well, well, well. It isn't Barb the Butso. I have a proposition. Oh, now, ain't that sweet. But you know I only like big, fat women. Uh huh. Can't believe he's in a digger. He's so fat that he wants to. He lives in a digger. I kind of love him. Oh, now don't give me that surprised look. Like you don't know what I'm talking about. You didn't drive all the way to the heart of the evil empire to see how my diet's going. We're introduced to my, to my second favourite character in the movie, where they go to this junkyard. Yeah. And we're introduced to Big Fatso. Who's in a digger. <laughs> in a fucking digger. As a seat, like a throne, it is a digger. Yes, I love it. He's the leader of the junkyard gang, who is basically like... A forerunner for the for the black market and a way of escaping out of like the the free world and stuff like that. Yeah, mm. and so he's trying to make this deal. But I love it. He's eating. I, I love it. He's so fat. He has to be in this digger. He's eating chicken. And I love how for Pam as a as a starting bribe says like, here's something. It's a little treat. Throw some donuts at him. Yeah, <laughs> in a greasy bag. I love it. Ooh, donuts. I love it. He's so acting hammy at this point. And he's surrounded by TVs and guns and everything else. It's such an awesome image. It's a shame he's only introduced at this point and never before or anything like that. And, uh, you know, he says, like, oh, fine, you know, but, you know, and he's eating, like, you know, I need some, I need some more compensation, you know, it's dangerous out there and stuff like that. <laughs> it's so dangerous out there. Nom, nom, nom. While eating a chicken wing. It's, 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 it's hard to explain. You go, you went into Sean Cutter again. Oh, I've gone to Shawnee again, haven't I? <laughs> So he goes back, so we've got everything arranged. We've got everything arranged. And so, like, we've got everything arranged. So it gives Curly, Udo Kier, you now own the bar now. You own it. Because where I'm going, I won't need us anymore, right? So Udo Kier is, is accepting as, oh, no, you know, keep an eye on the dog, blah, blah. And says, where's Charlie? And says, oh, Charlie has gone to see uh, Spike, who is the lead, one of the, one of the leaders of the resistance. Yeah. Right? Who is this girl, this punk girl with, like, a choker, but the choker has a microphone in it that distorts her voice. Mm. A very odd choice. It's almost like, what you know, when you've got, like, 
you've lost, you kind of got throat cancer. Yes. Like, you've got your voice thing to, like, use your vocal cords that, you know, you can't use them anymore. It sounds like that. Yeah. But it's an yeah. odd reason why she would need it, because she doesn't need it. Yeah. Right? So, she's, so, he, so he, the blind guy, decides to walk or go to the mechanical place where the resistance is, only to slowly figure out that it's been a plan, it's a jib, it's a job all along. Mm. Right? Because the American Nazis have taken over the place and kills her in, like, this really nasty sort of choking, like, element, right? Like, like she's just, just dangling from, like, a hook and, like, choked to death. Yeah. With her own choker, which I find, again, really gruesome sequence. Kind of cool. Mm. Bit limp, but kind of cool, right? Yeah. What is that musical tone? What is that? It's like a synth stab, wasn't it? Yeah. That was just so ridiculous. So many dead bodies. Is that it? Wow. Now you were too late. Listen to me, Bob. We need your help. There's no more time. That plane leaves in 90 minutes. You're the only one who could help us now. Please. Let's go. Yeah! She is pissed! thing is, when she was upset, she was kind of like this a lot of the time. She just kind of go like that. Yeah. And then her hair was covering her face most of the time. Her hair, even for all that, though, her hair is immaculate. She is... They're She's got, like, that beach, beach look hair. All, you know, Always. Always. get on that plane without the contact lenses. Let's have them. I said they were safe. Are you coming or not? Yeah! <laughs> flamethrower! <laughs> I just saw flamethrower on the screen. I'm like, oh, God, that's going to be awesome. Have you ever tried to drive out of Seal Harbor? No. Then shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so now that Pam knows that her brother's missing, it's like, fuck this. Sort this out. Fuck it. Where is Charlie? So gets into she gets into a killer ass like van. Like, like she, she she gets into the van, uh, which in the back of it has a motorcycle in it, which is kind of awesome as well, which I love. And um and Udo Kier comes and tries and finds just literally a slaughterhouse of all of these resistance goons left by the Nazis. Yeah. And then finds Charlie crucified. And then this is the first time. I think this is the first time, actually, we discover that Pam Ranson has an emotion other than just a flat tone. <laughs> do, you want to, do you want to explain this part? Uh, well, this is what I, I kind of mentioned it earlier in terms of, like, her emotions kind of hidden sometimes by yeah. 
her hair mm. because she's like when she is sobbing mm. she's kind of like crouched over and the hair's all over her face and she, you can kind of hear that she's sobbing a little bit yeah but it's kind of you can't really see the emotion because it's hidden it's hidden like underneath all this amazingly well crimmed hair yeah. right because she looks amazing in every shot mm. even when she's crying she looks amazing even though her makeup's running she still looks amazing yeah like pristine and so she shyly cries for her brother mm. and so Alex so Axel and the doctor you know uh, see this and say like right and so like it's like and so like you have to get us to the airport you have to get us to the airport and Bob's like I can't I can't and it's like if not do it not for me do it for your brother <laughs> and it's like okay fuck it fine so you now got Udo Kier Pamela Anderson and the resistance fighters all in a truck ready to go to fight off against the Nazis <laughs> Chief Willis, arrest these people. I want you to know I had nothing to do with what happened to Charlie. And I'm sorry. Oh, no. Oh, Pab's kind of liking it. Oh, that, oh, we see the sneaky. Grenade. Yeah! Don't move! Look out, she's got a grenade! Oh, no, she's got a grenade! It was amazing. Oh. <laughs> Gobsmacked is not the word. Oh. Uh, what a way for Big Fatso to go. Well done. Blown to bits in his digger. That is what that is kind of a way to go. I'm impressed. Yes! Rocket launchers! Yeah! Okay, well done. And a car flip, because that's how you do it! <laughs> More explosions! <laughs> They're just putting all the explosions in at this moment in time. I'm impressed. And drops off to Big Fatso. Mm. And it looks like Pam has double-crossed him. Yeah. So she can get the money and escape anyway. Mm. But no. The double cross, the double cross suddenly became another double cross where fat, where where Big Fatso goes. Oh wait, I brought my friends and all the and all the American neo Nazis arrive. Yeah, because you can't trust Fatso, can you? You can't trust you can't trust the Big Fatso. Wow, that's uh, I'm sorry, that's a bit sizest. <laughs> it's like oh no, he's a bit. Well, I don't fat. mean any Fatso. I just mean this Fatso. <laughs> this Fatso, go trust this Fatso, right? But then you can see, and this is where the, there's another double cross where the chief of police. As they're handcuffing like uh, everybody, right? Gives Pamela Anderson a fucking grenade, mm. and this is where I think the action sequences really kick up. And oh my god, it's amazing! Oh, the dial gets turned up quite a bit. Um, it? Totally. It starts with the first explosion, where she literally grabs a, the grenade, pulls a pin out, and says, "I've got a grenade!" and just throws it up in the air, and everyone squabbles like, "Oh no, it's going to land! It's going to land! Where's it land?" 
I'm fatso. It lands on fatso. And, and he does the best e- expression, like really wide eyes. Yes, while still <laughs> eating a chicken wing at this point. Yeah. So like, ooh. <laughs> and then she explodes into a million pieces. It's amazing. It's an amazing opening shot. And then everyone's just driving away and escaping this decent car chase, you know, and then she gets out of the motorcycle, my motorcycle and starts like shooting everything as it goes. It's really, really cool, badass sequence which once she's shooting everything there's so many goddamn fucking explosions mm. i love it it's but such an exciting sequence it's so good yeah it's so good because the explosions are ridiculous they're all over the shop everything explodes slow motion push <laughs> Every shot is like a Dutch tilt angle. It's all like skew if, isn't it? Apart from that one. Apart from that one. I love that. That was the only one that wasn't it. Everything else is slightly at an angle. Oh, my God. Come on, come on. I'm kind of now invested. I want, I want to see what happens. Yes! So many That was explosions. like computer game, like, you know, shoot the barrels to get an explosion. I'm so happy. Yes. Like, you know what? Good on you for putting all the explosion at the end of the movie. I want a climax like that. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Phrasing. Where are you, bastard? Oh, that's insane. Crazy Nazi light guy. Of course he is. Look at him. On a fucking forklift. <laughs> he's, he's like a maniac. This is quite intense right now. Come on, Pammy. Come on, Pammy. <laughs> I got you, babe! Don't call me babe. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> that was clearly a dummy! Explosion! <laughs> that was amazing! That was brilliant! One you could clearly see it was a doll, but that explosion was beautiful! Mwah! Thank you, Bob Wire. And then the leader of the American Nazis coming in a fucking forklift. Yeah. And, oh, explain this, because this is amazing, right? So you got the forklift. Mm. What's the expression on his face is priceless. Because mm. he's laughing like a maniac. Yeah, he, he goes into it because up to this point, he's kind of been playing a bit sort of serious, hasn't he? Kind Reserved. Of like, yeah, and, and like this point, he just goes like into a maniac and he's just laughing constantly. And going, ah! Ah! Literally, all she he does is laugh for like five minutes of the sequence. <laughs> it's almost like he's sort of like unleashed his natural kind of animal at that point. I'm finally unleashed. Yeah. I'm evil now. He's playing full evil now. He's gone full ham, mm. right? And so he gets the forklift, pins the forklift uh, to Pamela Anderson's motorcycle so 
So her big, sexy stiletto boots get stuck, yeah. right, in the thing, right? And um, and then gets crashed into a, to a car, and then then and then he's like, oh, I'm going to crush you, basically. So his mm. idea is, I'm just going to crush you. But he's not really doing a good job, because he's basically just spinning around in a circle yeah. while this is happening. Axel, on the other hand, is on a forklift, on a really, onto a gigantic crane, like massive fuck-off crane. And I love this bit because he goes in the guy's on a crane, which I find really random. Why is this guy who's in charge of this crane not seeing that there's so much commotion in this construction site? I know. And he just sort of, he just quickly has a little tutorial of how to use the crane. Yes! And then when he knows how, he knocks out the guy. Yeah, it's like saying, like, what's this one? What's this one? Bam! Elbow! And so he gets on the crane, and this is where it gets perplexed but amazing, right? Mm. So Pamela Anderson's trying to get out of the forklift. The guy's laughing like a maniac, is about to shoot her, right? But then the Axel gets the crane, attaches the crane to the forklift, and starts lifting it off the ground. Yeah. And over the sea, and it is the most ridiculous... What a way to end a fight. So now Pam Ranson finally gets out. They start by kicking and punching each other and everything else. Fucking amazing. This is the kind of last fight you want in an action movie, isn't it? Like, on a bloody forklift and car that's raised. And they- on a crane. Yeah. It is so over the top. I mm. fucking love it. Right? Yeah. It is the fucking best. And then the guy says the weirdest line. And it's like, say, and she's like, you can't escape now. You can't escape now at all. It's, this is just like my favourite song. And it's like, I got you, babe. Yeah. So awful. And just before that line, you get the, the crash zooms of her and then of him. It's like, whoop, whoop. <laughs> and then she says, don't call me babe. Drops the forklift from the crane. And there's a shot where you see the, the Nazi guys hanging on the roof of the car. But it looks really fake. And then it cuts to a shot where it's clearly a dummy. Mm. And it cuts back to it and then lands and then everything explodes yeah. on impact. <laughs> it's so great. I fucking love it. It was what a way to end it, right? And then the movie then continues on with the ending where, you know, they finally escape, mm. you know, they exchange. They, she, she has a, she was wearing the contact lenses all along. She was never going to give it to Big Fatso. Yeah. She just wanted to get extra cash because she has this credit card now for Big Fatso, which is 750000 Canadian dollars. Mm. So she can now relax for a while, yeah. right? And so... And so they, so she finally does the escape. The doctor goes on the plane with Axel. does the same ending, just like in uh, Casablanca, where it says, like, we'll always have Paris. You know, we always have the shit exchange. Like, we, we had what we had, but now we can't have it anymore. You go off to your life, I have mine. It's funny, though, you know, when she's got the contact lenses on? Yeah. Sticks out like a sore thumb, because, like, in terms of how she looked before... Yeah! Bright blue, piercing eyes. It's just like... artificially blue. Yeah. And you think, like, wait a minute, that's a bit unrealistic. When she gets her when she gets her eyes scanned and everything mm. else, but no, fine. She goes and she escapes. What's left? You got her and the copper about to walk off into the sunset, but not really the sunset. It's pouring down with rain because, of course, it is. Ends with a shot of Pamela Anderson turning around and saying, "I've got all the time in the world," and she's holding a, a massive fuck off gun in a leather outfit, big boots in the rain, boobs out. Well done. Cuts to credits. <laughs> 
And it's like sort of hard rock, like kicks in on the on the uh, credit sequence. And it jumps with all these weird jump cuts, doesn't it, at the end? Yeah, it's like... <laughs> it's like all the bullet holes and everything else. And it just ends on this highly campy, cheesy spot. Mm. Fucking perfect. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Where will you go? Well, I hear Paris is nice this time of year. I do believe I'm falling in love. Get in line. So that was Barbed Wire. Mm. I was gonna—I've I, been wanting to watch this movie again for a long time. I saw it ten years ago. I thought it was just immense, right? It's—it is still whole held up because I have this memory of Pamela Anderson and just the schlock of it. And it's so nineties. It's so awesome that I had a whale of a time. Yeah, especially great with a couple of ciders. A couple. Oh, with a couple of ciders, even more so. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I thought. I was going to dislike it. Like, I thought, like, well, I, I liked it as a kid just because Pamela Anderson and it was, like, sexy and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was thinking, as an adult, I'm probably going to think, oh, this is dreadful. Mm. But it, I still still just find it really enjoyable. And it's like, enjoyable in now in a more tongue-in-cheek way than it ever was before. Yeah. And I, I think this movie is something that you could look back again and enjoy it. Yeah, because I don't think... <laughs> Well, the accidental comedy and everything like that, that would have gone over my head as a kid. Yeah. But now I find that it's added an extra element of fun to it. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's one that's aged better than when it came out of the time. Yeah. I think when it came out of the time, it wasn't good. Because, you know, this is what the thing like with most bad movies. Good, bad movies take time to fester. Yeah. It's a horrible word to say, but it's true. It needs time to mould and fester to become this new thing. And I think Barbara Wire totally fits the bill. Mm. Pamela Anderson looked amazing. She acted like shit, but who cares? Um, everything was so 90s and amped up and ridiculous. And it was just on the nose. Mwah, a perfect trashy movie night. Definitely. Right. So, next time round, we're going to have a little bit of a different change this time round. I'm going to tease it, okay? Because we're going to do a superhero movie, mm. and we're also going to bring a guest. Okay. This is going to be our very first time we're going to have an, a guest on the podcast. Mm. So I can't flip and wait. We're going to see how this turns out. It's going to be, it could be a dumpster fire, but who knows? <laughs> right? On, on that high note, uh, keep an eye on your trash. Uh, there might be some treasure in there. See you later, guys. <laughs> The Trash Tapes is a podcast created by Enigmatic Productions. It is hosted and created by Johan Paul and co-starring Edward Harvey. If you like what you hear, subscribe to the podcast. We are on Spotify, iTunes, Acast, and Buzzsprout. You can also find more information about us on our social media sites. We have Instagram, which, uh, which is under Enigmatic Productions. Uh, we have a Facebook page called Under Studio Enigmatic. And we have a Twitter under Enigmatic underscore UK. For more information on the, on the other kind of products and projects that we're up to, check out our website at www.enigmaticproductions.co.uk.
thank you for listening to this podcast episode and hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it around with movie lovers you know, maybe add a star rating or write a good review. All of this helps with the algorithm and provides us with more opportunities to reach the ears to a whole new bunch of bad film fanatics. Want to find out more about us? Then head over to our socials where we provide sneak peeks and up-to-date news on everything nostalgic and trashy. You can find our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages in the description. So please, follow us. See you next time, cinephiles.